You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We're all over the Elias Lindholm to the Vancouver Canucks trade. Corey Sarich at the bottom of the hour. Jason Bukala, Sportsnet draft analyst at 8 o'clock. The general manager of the Calgary Flames, Craig Conroy, at 8 o'clock. And our man, J-Mac, Julie McKenzie from the All-Star Game in Toronto at 8.45. But right now, uh, it's that off week of the Super Bowl. But we never take time off with our man, Ross Tucker, NFL analyst, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, CBS Sports, brought to you by Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Uh, good morning, Ross. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? How do you deal with this two-week break between the game? How does Ross Tucker deal doing with Doing good. It? Um, it's madness because <laughs> I'll be in Las Vegas all week next week. Okay. So um, I'll be doing all my shows, right? The daily Ross Tucker football podcast and then the Even Money betting podcast, the Fantasy Feast. So, uh, and not only will I do those shows live, I'm also trying to get, I'm trying to book guests, mm-hmm. come on those shows with me live, and I'm trying to book guests for interviews that I can use in the off season because, as I think we've talked about before, the off season is like my, um, you know, I don't, I don't have any off time during the season. So from August until whatever it is, mid-February, I pretty much work every weekend. Mm-hmm. So now after the season, I'll have some fun in the sun and I'll go on a couple of ski trips and stuff. So I'll try to get um, some good interviews so I can use those on my shows for when I'm with my family and traveling in the off season. But mm-hmm. meanwhile, while that's going on, I'm having a lot of people reach out to me to go on their shows. And so it's like, um, it's just kind of madness trying to schedule it all and keep it all together. It's basically why most people have like people that they'll give them a couple hour window and then those people will book their, you know, their their hits for them. Uh, and I usually do that, but this year is a little bit unique. Who's the most famous person in your phone right now, Ross? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't have Brady's number. You don't? I know okay. him, obviously, but I don't. Yep. I don't have his number in my phone. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, I have Taylor Swift's dad number in my phone, and I talk to him fairly often, but he's not Taylor Swift. He's right. the dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I'm never slid sure. that I in? I have to go through. You never slid that in? What's that? Hey, do you mind if, we, you know, Taylor on the podcast, did you ever float that, or you're just like, you don't want to, you don't want to cross that bridge? Um, no, I know that that's, like, not happening. Okay. The thing is that people don't realize is that so I'll give you an example, right? Mm-hmm. Like people and, and, and I'm, you know, everything's all relative, right? To some people, um, depending on if you're an Eagles fan or where you live or whatever, to some people like they really think I'm cool. Like they really think I'm a big deal. So a lot of other people like never heard of me, don't care at all. Right. <laughs> like, 
There's a wide spectrum. But believe it or not, even for me, people will ask my wife or my mom or my sister for stuff from me a lot. Really? You know, like, hey, can Ross talk to my my um, my son? He's interested in getting in broadcasting. Or, you know, Johnny wants to work for a team. Then can he do that? Or can Ross go on this, on Johnny's show? You know, like, it, it, it really is. And this sounds like I'm complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm getting to a point here. Mm-hmm. But people ask my, especially my wife and mom, a lot. And, like, they hate it because they don't want to. They know how busy I am and how much stuff I already have going. And the last thing they want to do is add stuff to my plate from, like, a friend of a friend or this kid or, you know, people that we don't really know aren't really in our lives. Right. So I say that to say, like, the last thing I'm going to do, because if you really know what it's like and if you're really friends with someone, the last thing I'm going to do is ask Taylor Swift's dad to ask of something from Taylor. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, right. I'm not, I'm not going to be that guy to add something to his plate to ask, have to ask her because he probably has people asking for stuff Oof. all the time. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I, I honestly can't even imagine, which is why he likes people like me, I would imagine, or people that know what it's like that would never ask him for anything. Like I, I've never, um, I, I never really asked him for anything. I mean, I think, you know, I asked him for tickets in May to a concert in Philly and over knowing him for mm, 16 years, that might be the first time I've ever asked him for anything. It's mm. very nice. I like that. Joe Montana is yeah, the most. Because you know what? People yeah. don't want, people don't want, you don't want relationships in life where the other person's asking you for stuff all the time. You know what I mean? Like that's not, that's not fun. He's not asking for me for stuff. And I'm sure you would accommodate him. I definitely would. Yeah. Yes. No question. I have Joe Montana's number on my phone. That's the most famous person for me. Wow. That is awesome. How'd that happen? Uh, A producer at my old job in Toronto had his number and gave it to me. I texted him. Ghost City. But at least I have his number. Ghost City? Yeah, he ghosted me. No response. Oh, you texted him and he ghosted you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so that like that story right there. Yep. Like that that bothers me. Why? That I'm bothered that the Toronto producer yeah. would just randomly give you his number. Why does that bother and, you? Um, Can I give you some context? I don't think that's cool. I, I don't think it's cool to give out people's cell phone numbers to random people that don't know them at all. Uh, could I give you some context? Sure. So I used to host um, a, a betting show, a football betting show that aired nationally here. I did it for seven years. Uh, this is the first year we haven't done it. 
And uh, he was a guest on one of the shows in Toronto, one of a primetime show. And we were doing a Super Bowl show. And I asked him, you know, what was some big names we could potentially have on for the Super Bowl show. That's the whole genesis of why I have Joe Montana's number. I took a shot if he wanted to come on. I wrote a very nice professional text message that wasn't. I didn't get a response. That's fine. That's how I got the number. It's not like, hey, you want Joe Montana's number? No, there was actually, there was reason behind it, and that's the, the reason why I have his number. Yeah, that that sounds a lot better to me. Yeah. That sounds a lot better. Because the way you made it sound. Yeah. Way, hey, 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 George, you want Joe Montana's like number? Sure. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, the way you made it sound at first, it was like your buddy was like, Yo, I got Joe Montana's cell <laughs> phone number. And you were like, sweet, give it to me. And then you texted him. And then you text like, yo, Joe, Niners rule. <laughs> Niners rules with a Z. Like something like that. Yeah, bang, bang, Niner so game. No, th- yeah. now I, I, feel, I feel much better about okay. it now. That, that to me is understandable. Yeah. If, you know, you had a show and the guy said, who can we get on the show? And you took a chance because I get um, I get a lot of text messages from numbers that are not in my phone mm-hmm. from people asking me to go on shows, and I don't know where they got my number, and I don't really ask, but that doesn't really bother me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. yeah. I can just respectfully, and I don't. I almost never ghost somebody. I okay. just typically respectfully say, no, I'm sorry, I can't. You know, if I can, if I can. Mm-hmm. And by the way, sometimes, I, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'll do that, you know. But um, if I can't, I just say, no, I can't, because I am sometimes the person on the other end trying to get someone on my show. So I know what that's like. I know it's, um, I know it's not easy. I know it's not fun. It's actually probably – my least favorite thing about having a podcast network, it's the guests. Yeah. I mean, mm. not to name names, but I've been dealing with that the last couple of days. You know, I don't like reaching out to someone and asking them to come on because I'm not compensating them. Mm-hmm. So it feels like I'm just asking them for their time. And I think time is extremely valuable. And so um, I feel like I'm asking for someone something. Now, I do think that my platform is big enough that they, uh, and maybe they agree, maybe they disagree, that they are getting something of value in return. But then even after that, you get them to say yes, it's amazing how often, like, you know, I was supposed to do one yesterday, and it didn't end up happening. You know, his flight, I guess, was delayed or whatever. So now I, I had scheduled a 315 interview and I was ready and whatever. And then he wasn't. So, uh, I mean, you guys deal with that. Obviously you've got a producer and a great network, but that that is the worst part of my podcast network. Having shows is I, I'm more or less my own like guest booker. Hmm. I, who are some of your fallback? Not, fallback's not the right word, but we have certain guys. Like we have one. His name's Jason Bukla. He's actually joining us later today. Where he is a wealth of knowledge, so we can talk hockey about anything with him at any point whatsoever. And anytime we need to fill a spot, it's like, hey, let's get Books on. He's a great chat. He's a great wealth of knowledge, and he always says yes. Who's your guy in that sense? 
your go-to? So what's interesting about that is I think I'm that person <laughs> to a bunch of shows. <laughs> um, and, and candidly, um, if I'm not getting paid, that, that's one reason why, I, why I will always have these side businesses that I'm involved with, because candidly, if I'm not getting paid for the appearance or if the appearance is not at the rate that I normally get, you know, I want to have something else to promote something else where with the time I'm putting out there, I'm trying to, to provide value for, for myself and my family, right? Like in life, we're all trying to create value for ourselves and our family. And so, um, you know, that's why, that's why I love when you guys, let me talk about myfrontpagestory.com. That yep. I really appreciate that. So, um, and I am, I, by the way, I am very welcoming and open to providing <laughs> guys with that, with the ability to promote something because I, I want them to feel like they're getting something in return for their, um, you know, for their time. So that's interesting because during the season, I don't have a, uh, I, I don't have outside guests that much hmm. because it's like I have co-hosts for the other shows. Monday, I just break down the games by myself. Tuesday, I do um, power rankings. Greg Cosell, I compensate him to come on my show every Thursday because he's fantastic. And Friday, I do the picks. So the only day I have a, a, a rotating guest, if you will, would be a Wednesday. Hmm. And I'm trying to get active players as much as possible because what I have noticed is you just get a lot more feedback and it gets picked up by other websites or whatever if it's an active player. So I try to record an interview with an active player on a Tuesday, which can be a pain, but that's kind of my, my go-to. Now, if there's mm. people in the offseason that I just think are excellent, one of whom that I think is always great, and I can usually get him on, is Albert Breer yes. from Sports Illustrated. He's just outstanding. Um, I know you got to run soon, Ross. How much is Dan Campbell swimming around in the pool of regret? Um, you know, that's a tough one to answer without knowing um, the process by which he makes those decisions. Hmm. In other words, if they, if he really feels good about the process by which he made the decisions, then I would say not much. Hmm. And I would say he's probably bummed out that Josh Reynolds dropped the pass, you know, or that Jameer Gibbs went the wrong way and then fumbled or that Josh Reynolds dropped the other pass. I mean, what a disaster that was for Josh Reynolds with those two drops. Now, if it was more of a gut feeling or if it was more we're just going to be aggressive because that's our identity and for the sake of being aggressive and he doesn't feel great about the process whereby he arrived at those decisions, then he probably has a lot, uh, a lot of regret. Um, I don't know, though. He might just look at it and say, Man, that's who we are. That's who, that's who we are. That's who the Lions are. That's who, you know, because I'll at least say this: at least the Lions were who they were in the loss. 
the Ravens were like a different team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that's the part that really bothers me. Yeah. Is the Ravens were like a totally different team. This is all because Justin Tucker was messing with Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey pregame, right? Like he went a, a bridge too far. A thousand percent. Yes. yes. You're if kickers. You're not, you love kickers. Sure, yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're not sure who to blame, the answer is usually the kicker. Especially when the kicker does something that evidently gets under the skin of the two-star players to the other team. Before, I mean, what are we even doing? You should not be allowed to do anything that gets under the skin of the opposing team's two-star players. Right. If you have no threat of physical contact in the game because you're a kicker. Mm. That's like my big thing. Like, if you're going to be a D lineman or a... Uh, tight end and you got to go out there and if you tick somebody off they can light you up that's totally different but I, it's one of the things I don't like about kicking and you guys know that everyone else out there has the omnipresent risk of injury and is and is doing damage to their bodies I don't like the fact that these other guys get to say they're football players when they have neither one of those they're, they're, they don't have the risk of injury, and they're not punishing their body. They're kicking a ball. Uh, I know we're we're uh, up against it here, but I have to ask you um, that line Niners minus one and a half, Ross. Uh, that that line's a little fishy to me. Is it fishy asinine. to you? Asinine. Two things are asinine. Number one, yep. anyone that gets a Valentine's Day gift for a loved one that isn't myfrontpagestory.com. Yep. That's just stupid because I've told you about it the last couple weeks. It's, 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 it's February now, fellas. It's the best Valentine's Day gift ever. I wouldn't steer you wrong. And number two, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs have been the better team in all three playoff games, including at Baltimore and at Buffalo. The Niners, I can name six plays against the Packers. If they went the other way, they would have lost. Yep. And against the Lions, the Lions basically just peed down their leg, right? I mean, the Lions were the better yeah. team until they peed down their leg. So, and then, by the way, even if it's a close game, are you taking Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan over Patrick Mahomes or Andy Reid? Have you gone loco, son? Like, are you are you out of your mind? Like, it just, <laughs> there, there's, like, I already took the Chiefs getting two points on the Even Money Betting Podcast. And I will sleep like a baby for the next 10 days. Okay. I love it. Uh, Ross Tucker, uh, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Westwood One, the Ross Tucker Betting Podcast, and, of course, my frontpagestory.com. We'll talk to you next week from Radio Row. Thanks for this, pal. Yeah, I felt like we had a deep, like, philosophical conversation. That I, was excellent. See you, yeah, dude. Yeah, thanks. All right, there he goes, Ross Tucker. Bye, Ross. Uh, courtesy of Tom's House of Pizza, pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. He likes coming on our show because yep. we have conversations like that. Mm-hmm. We went a little deep in the in the whole how do you get a minutia of yeah. booking a show. It was a little. We went a little broadcast nerdy. <laughs> yeah, but that's fine. That's like okay. he he really enjoyed that conversation. So now you get a look on, you know, well, and how and, things work. And like this week is kind of like for guest bookers, especially down in the U.S., where you're like, man, this is a nightmare trying to get everything to fall into place. Oh, and yeah. everyone. Everyone's saying yes to all these interviews. I'm sure guys double book themselves left, right, and center. And 
And then on top of that, everyone's just down in the same place on Radio Roast. They're wandering around. And then this year it's in Vegas. So everyone's going to be banged up half the time at least. Oof. Wish I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I wish our show was there. <laughs> but then that would be bad news. I don't know if we get a show on the air. Where's George? He's he's on a heater on yeah, the blackjack. A week. Yeah, yeah. You a can't week a whole week. I know. Uh, yeah. I I can't do Vegas. And it's week. not just like oh, I can't four, be there days, for a week. No. I'd be dead in a week. I can't I do we, that. We got two nights coming up in April. Three nights. Two nights. Something. Mm. Like that. That's all you need. Listen, I've always, I told you. To me, I'm a winner in Vegas if I have enough money to buy a slice of pizza in the airport before I get on the plane. Yeah, that's I it. I put the finger in the air. Yeah. Number one, I beat <laughs> yeah. Vegas. I have enough money to buy a slice of pizza while I get on the plane. You do the Frankie Vitrano, yeah. Sally. Throw your stick into the crowd. Last time I was in Vegas, I lost $400 in the airport before I picked up my suitcase. That's not the brag you think it is. No, it's not. It's not a flex at all. <laughs> no. I had Vegas rage right away. Weird flex, bro. Yeah. Vegas rage right away. Hmm. Um, Corey Sarich, Flames analyst, Sarichi. former National Hockey Leaguer, is going to join us. Get his thoughts on the Elias Lindholm deal. We'll what? talk to our man Jason Bukala. I'm Who cl- are these prospects the Flames got? In that first round pick, who are some of the names we should keep an eye on? Yeah, for, for the sure. Flames potentially getting faux show. Yeah, we'll get we'll talk to Books at eight o'clock. Oh, and the guy who actually made the trade last night, uh huh, the GM of the Calgary Flames, uh huh, Craig Conroy coming up at eight thirty. Oh, bad. and J Mac, Julian McKenzie from the All Star Game in Toronto, jam packed show. We're gonna run out of time. Yeah, no, we got lots to do. It's a big cool. show. Russick and Rose Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan. It's a big show. Russick and Rose Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour our man jason bukala sportsnet scouting analyst the pro hockey group uh will tell us about the prospects the flames acquired in the elias Lindholm trade last night and who are some of the names we should be keeping an eye on on the back end of the first round because the flames did acquire vancouver's 2024 first round pick what are some of the names we should be looking for now and paying attention to as we head towards the draft in June. We'll talk to Books. Oh, and the guy who made the trade, uh, the GM of the Calgary Flames, Craig Conroy, joining us at 8.30. Uh, we're also super excited to have our next guest on the line on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He is a Sportsnet Flames analyst. He is a Stanley Cup champion. We say good morning to Corey Sarich. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, good. Thanks. How are you guys doing? Good. I uh, wanted to get your uh, player's perspective on this Elias Lindholm deal. We know that Hockey's a business, first and foremost. You guys always understand that being players. But when you're a, a team that is so close to a playoff spot and obviously all the guys are uber competitive, when you take away the team's number one center, all of a sudden getting to the playoffs is now a ridiculously uphill climb. How do you think the guys in the room are reacting to the Elias Lindholm trade this morning, Corey? Uh, it's got to be a bit of a blow, but... I think they've had enough time to kind of get prepared for it and know that it's coming. It's pretty much been imminent as far as the media has been concerned. Uh, I would say if you're looking for the first piece to go, I think it would have been Elias Lindholm. He was kind of like tops on the charts. And you know what? Actually, it might, it might, it, it's going to be a blow for this hockey team, obviously, because of his versatility. He plays everywhere. Um, he's been a big part of this lineup for the last several seasons. But again, just as far as kind of the, the jam and fire that, that we've seen from him this year, I think it's been missing. And I don't know if it's just because he's his time in Calgary, he feels like he's done. I don't know if it's 
maybe a little bit of frustration with the product that he's he's part of this year again you know it's looking like a 500 hockey hockey club again but it just there seemed to be something missing in his game this year even his interactions with the media I know he's a pretty level guy he doesn't get too up he doesn't get too down but to me this was no surprise that he was the first piece to go do guys in the room notice that that maybe the jam and fire aren't there I think so yeah it's it's not that hard to see. Um, you look at what he did a couple of years ago. He was energized by his two line mates, Kachuk, Goudreau. They were, you know, one of the well, probably the best line in hockey that year, and the stats reflected that. And it's a struggle. I know last year was probably a struggle for him, kind of figuring out where he was going to be. They bring in Huberto, they bring in Kadri, and maybe part of the maybe part of the problem with you know, him not playing up to expectations or not being the Elias Lindholm is, boy, he's had a lot of different line mates over the last couple of years, and that's not easy to, to deal with either. And that's just been a team that's been trying to scrap, claw, find points, and they've been doing it now for, oh, what are we at, 100 and, 130 games, basically. Uh, with that scrapping and clawing and just kind of try to keep their heads above water. If you were on the team with Elias Lindholm, maybe not playing up to the level that Elias Lindholm should be playing, and I'm just throwing a name out there, but a guy like Chris Tanev who gives everything he has every night on the ice, the dude is blocking shots with his chin. Like, that guy is giving everything he can, and he's a guy who potentially won't be here after the trade deadline, if I see the effort that guy's throwing through, and then you're telling me that the guys will notice that Lindholm isn't putting that effort through. If you're a guy who's here for the long term, how would you deal with that? Well, it's, it's conversations that you have internally. Um, how would you approach a player like that, Corey? Or for me you? personally, for me personally, it would be some subtle conversations to begin with. And, it's easier to say now that I'm a lot older. When I was a younger player, I mean, you're seen and you're not heard. So if you realize that maybe someone's not in it for the right reasons on your team or maybe their head's elsewhere, and I, I don't, I'm not going to like completely pigeonhole Elias Lindholm and say, oh, my God, he wasn't any good for the Calgary Flames this year. I'm just saying he's not what I would expect. He's not um, – he just didn't have to seem to have the same jump in his game that – that we saw from him when he became a member of the Calgary Flames and pretty consistently throughout his time here. So I don't want to throw him under the bus there either. He's a, he's a really good hockey player. Um, maybe he's just struggling a little bit this year. I don't know what all factors in, but if I'm going to talk to a teammate, first of all, it's just as an older player, maybe I look back to my last year in Denver, it was just having quiet conversations, maybe saying, Hey, why aren't, why aren't you trying something like this? Hey, I noticed this in your game. I noticed this. I, I see like you're not you're not kind of doing those same same things that are that we're expecting and sometimes it's received well sometimes they look at you sideways like who the hell are you talking to me especially mm-hmm. it was never I probably don't have the clout that Elias Lindholm had but near the end of my career I, I sure hope that my effort and energy was maybe appreciated like a Chris Tanev so I think if you just give it to a guy straight and you're, and it seems like it's coming from a place where you actually care and you're putting the team first, it's usually pretty well received. But I have had teammates that I have had conversations with or the way that they 
view their own performance so far out in left field that you're not getting through to them. But Elias Lindholm, I don't think, would be that guy. I did want to ask you about the connection or maybe lack thereof he had with Jonathan Huberto. What did you make of that tandem whenever they were together? Maybe a little flash at the end, but overall just never really seemed to work and and kind of feels like if that had worked, maybe things would have gone differently, but alas, it didn't, and here we are. Yeah, like I said, it's just been a couple years of this certain players, you know, trying to figure things out. And obviously you mentioned the guy that's struggled the most, Jonathan Huberto. And I just don't, I don't know why they couldn't find chemistry there. I don't know if it's just been Huberto's adjustment. I, I was concerned when he came to Calgary about him just having to deal with a Canadian market first and foremost. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's part of it. I don't know if it was just applied pressure due to the magnitude of the contract he signed. I know that that does factor in, for a player, but yeah, there just really never seemed to be any any real chemistry there. Um, I know Elias Lindholm really benefited from some pretty savvy passing from Kachuk, who would go to the dirty areas, from Goudreau, who is just you know he is an elite passer, and he probably had one of his career years that year that they were all on a line together and. For Huberto, it's been the opposite. It's been a struggle. He is an elite passer, and we hope to see him some somehow get back to that level. I know that Calgary has only had certain glimpses of it, and when he when he first got here, there were more glimpses than there have been lately. And Lindholm's a guy that will defend well, but he's not a guy to go really dig it out and get pucks in the corner and then provide for someone else. He's got that shot. He's a smart guy that finds soft areas of the ice, so he needs guys that can get him the puck. So where he's going, I think he's going to find that that's going to be uh, a lot more available than what he's been playing with lately. Uh, Corey, I, I don't want to say that the Flames dodged a bullet by any means, and I, I, I don't want to talk about that, but the $9 million for Elias Lindholm, a contract that was maybe put on the table that wasn't signed by Elias Lindholm, do you think the Flames maybe it's good that he didn't sign that deal with Calgary here? Like, he's a very good player, but I'm just not sure $9 million for Elias Lindholm for the next eight years would have been the best plan of attack for the Calgary Flames moving forward. Do you agree or disagree? I completely agree. I like the fact that they looked at where this season was was going off the start. They gave it some time to see what it was really going to turn into here, and I think you have a pretty darn good sample size now. And then he just didn't hit the panic button, so i got to give... Craig Conroy, you know, props on that. Just going through the process, right? You see so many, so many teams that are just willing, whether it's a young player that's done it once, whether it's a goaltender that's got hot for a season, and you shell out these big dollars or you make trades for. And I think I think Connie's been around the block enough as a player to see and probably be in all instances and play with teammates of all different sorts. And you just you kind of have a feel for, for where things are going, looking at a player, or you've been in a certain certain similar situation as a player, being like, oh, we brought in this guy who had one great season here, and then he fizzled, and we were stuck with him, or we made this major signing, and this guy seemed to be trending downwards. So I, I don't think they would have been able to tell at the start of the season where Elias Lindholm and what he was going to look like and what his season looked like, but... Clearly now you give it some time and 
I thought uh, it's a pretty decent haul that they got for for Lindholm with this trade. I wanted to ask you a little bit about Kuzmenko, a guy who waived his no trade to come to Calgary. Um, maybe just a thought on, have you played with guys before that had to waive a no trade to come to a team and just what that reception and reaction has maybe been like? Well, I think just for him personally, um, he's got to be maybe a little bit frustrated this year when you just look at the numbers. Like I, I've watched Vancouver play quite a few times this year, but haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to him and partially to the fact that he hasn't been been getting quite as much ice time as he did last year. Uh, they're playing a, a very structured game at times there in, in Vancouver, and that might be something that a guy who's only you know in his second year in this hockey league is going to need to figure out. Now, clearly he knows how to put the puck in the net. We saw that last year. He was all throughout the highlights. Um, I, I think you have to embrace a guy like this that's looking for a kind of a fresh start. He's going to come to your team. He clearly was not happy in the situation that he was in or realizes that this is an opportunity for him. So I don't see any reason why the guys in the mm-hmm. Flames dressing wouldn't be excited to have him. And again, if you're looking for a guy that's kind of got a really nice release, is a natural goal scorer, he's your guy. And it's not like you're getting uh, a young player that's going to have to have to figure it out. He might seem young because of only his second year in the league, but this guy's 27 years old. He's had decent numbers over in the KHL. And I think he's someone who can just fit right in and be impactful right away with this team. You mentioned he can shoot the puck. He had 39 goals last year, a right-hand shot. Um, how much do you think the Flames have, A, missed having the one-timer on the left flank on the power play, and B, is this a role he can maybe fill? Yeah, it'll be something that they definitely try him on with. Um, they've got, you know, Sharon Govich, who's been doing a decent job out there and being that one-timer, but they just seem to still be having trouble getting him the puck enough. So if you've got a couple of shooting threats or if you've got one on each each set of your power play, um, that's something that can be super dynamic. I know that I just think back to a guy like Timu Solani with a, was a right-handed shot that could absolutely let it go from that side of the ice. Um, you you kind of got to have you got to have threats from all over in your lineup. You can't be limited. So I think this just expands Calgary's opportunities. And hey, if we can try anything to get that power play going, please <laughs> let's do it. Uh, Corey Sarich, um, Flames analyst for Sportsnet Stanley Cup champion, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Corey, I got to ask you, a guy with a candy cane tape job, your thoughts in the NHL? Please don't do it. Get rid of it. <laughs> like just black or white. We don't, I guess, whatever. It's just tape, right? Who cares? But but you would notice that favorite. if you were on the ice, right? Playing against him? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone's going to notice, and if you can live that down, and you're good enough to play through it, well, kudos to you. So you're saying you never went? What's the craziest tape job you ever did in the league? I never had never put white tape on uh, my blade. It was black every single time. Okay. Never played a game. I don't think since maybe my first game of minor hockey with white tape on my stick. So I was very traditional. Why? I, well, I had to hide the puck, right? That's what I thought. Dave does because mm. of my deft puck handling skill. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. 
you know, it was almost like it was invisible out there. People were, well, where's Puck? Who's yeah. got it? Yeah, must be a Sarchi stick. We can't skating. find it. He's skating so slow, and he's <laughs> skating so slow, and he's so far behind the play. <laughs> That's where it is. <laughs> I don't know if it was exactly like that, but uh, I, uh, I actually, I actually had teammates. I had one uh, teammate I specifically remember from Midget AAA. He he was insistent that you shoot harder with uh, uh, white tape on your <laughs> stick because it was thinner than the black tape. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, that's really making a difference. College grad? I don't think so. Oh, really? Hmm, crazy. I actually I actually shouldn't say that. I don't know where his career went after oh. that. Oh, so. but at that point, he certainly wasn't. Uh, I am i don't know. I think he's just putting a little too much stock in it, or maybe someone else was uh, behind <laughs> the idea. Did, did you ever do the Gretzky and put the baby powder on the stick? No, never got to that. I used to have to have the uh, the the old Dan Boyle. I used to have to have the tape down the shaft, just because mm. they were too too slippery when the when we when the aluminums came out. Right. But that's I liked it quick too. Like the guys that like to tape it to the end of their stick, make it all fancy, cut it off with the scissors. I mean, that's a lot of work. Right. And I I, I did like a fresh tape job every period, so. Ooh. Yeah, that uh, way too much time if you're breaking out scissors and factoring all that into the equation. Uh, I did want to get back to this trade for just a moment and maybe a thought on the center position and what happens in the top nine now. Do you see a position where maybe they move Sharon Govich or Zeri into a center role or would you expect maybe a, a bump up from someone like a, a Cole Schwint, I guess? Yeah, I don't know if the bump up is there yet. Uh, I think you're going to try a couple guy, other guys on. But again, with the way it's gone this season and the amount of players we've seen come out of the Wranglers, I I expect you could probably kind of see everybody and anybody. I won't, I won't take that uh, out of consideration. But no, I think you'll just I, – I don't know if you're going to muck with that with Kadri's line right now. They seem to still have – a little bit of chemistry, but he could filter back in there again if that line tends to cool off. Um, Blake Coleman has played some center, but why would you why would you touch his chemistry along with Backlund and those guys? So you're going to find someone to slot over there. Um, I know Jonathan Huberto has played some some center in his career. Maybe uh, you do something else to to spark it up, but I don't see that with the defensive responsibility of being a center in the NHL. I just don't know if that's his MO. So who knows? Maybe they maybe Connie's got some other ideas, uh guys that he's looking at, but we've we've tried on a lot of bodies down there in the Wranglers that there can't be that many more um to come up and give it a whirl. So I think it'll just be a work in progress, but I think they'll just be slotting someone that's in the lineup now in that in that position. And it's going to probably be a little rotation again for a while till someone sticks. Uh, Corey Sarich, Sportsnet NHL analyst, uh, incredibly uh, talented puck handler with the black tape. Uh, Corey, mm-hmm. terrific stuff. Um, thanks for this. And uh, enjoy the uh, the little break here. Yeah, thank you very much. I probably won't be watching much, but... Uh, You're not yeah. watching the All-Star Draft tonight? Oh, I don't know. Doubtful. <laughs> It's painful. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the only thing that they've maybe done a good job of is after last year's embarrassment with the skills competition. Yeah. Um, making it something reasonable that people want to watch. Yeah. Getting I, the right people. 
getting the right people in there. I think I'd probably be more intrigued than that. And I'll, I'll never watch more than five minutes of three on three. It doesn't really do it for me. So, okay. Yeah. Well, great stuff, Corey. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, pal. Thanks guys. There you go. Corey Sarich, Sportsnet Flames analyst, Stanley Cup champion on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar guest hotline. I think that's one thing that we haven't really talked about a whole lot. And and listen, we've talked about the Flames, you know, playoff hopes, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, they're, they're low. They're slight, to say the least. And, and they're going to get even worse as the team continues to move pieces out. But even now, irrelevant of what the hopes of the season are, who's going to play down the middle now? Oh, yeah. Who's going to be that third centerman? Because I totally agree with Corey. Schwint, not the guy that's moving up. They got two minutes last game, and Huska said, I've seen enough of this. Stapled them to the bench. Strap in. This is what a lot of the fan base wanted, Matty. Connor Zari center time. Here you go. Sari's played top line center a Team little bit tank. in the AHL before he came up. Team Tank, you're up. Shigovich has had a cup of coffee. Where's Adam Rasichka, anyways? <laughs> How's oh, that? He'd be coming <laughs> where's, handy where's right now. that guy? He'd be getting hey. some play time now. <laughs> you're, asking, uh, you're asking who's going to play center? Um, no big deal. They just play the Bruins first game of the break in Boston. <laughs> and then they go to New York. No problem. Islanders are playing better now. New that coach. Th- at the Gua. Yep. Hey. Here you go. This is this is what Team Tank wanted. You got a lot of nice shiny pieces for Elias home from the Canucks. But you're right. Like, who's going to play center ice now? Would you like to see Huberto play center? What? No. <laughs> no, that's what Sarge was saying. No. No. He's never played center his entire career. I just... When was the last time you think Huberto took a draw? Has he taken one this season? He must have taken at least one. Uh, We can find out. Hey, you know know who's going to get tapped on the shoulder with a lot more ice time? The captain, Michael Backlund. Oh, yeah. Get yeah. ready to get ready for some yeah. more ice time there, Cap. Yeah, Blake too. Hey, Coleman, I hope you're getting a good rest in over yeah. the All Star game. Hopefully you guys, that are, hands all you guys healed are, up. Yeah, they're already skating 17 minutes a night. He's uh 50 from the faceoff dot this year. Don't know how many draws he's okay. Taken, though, but he well, at least 50. he's taking two. Yeah. If he's 50. <laughs> at least two. At least he's two. He's a career 40. percent He has uh, won four and lost four. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. So not. <laughs> Not a lot. He yeah. is he is eleventh in faceoffs taken on the Flames. Oh, okay. Coronado's taken more. Zary. Really? Coronado's pa- taken more draws. Coronado's taken nine. Oh, Zary's taken twenty one. Pospisil's okay. taken twenty two. That's just because Kadri gets, gets tossed. tossed all the time. <laughs> yeah. Coleman's taken forty six. Sharagovich is taken eighty one. Oh. Ruzicka one hundred and fifty one, and then everybody else six hundred for Kadri, eight sixty for Backlid. 985 for Lindholm. Okay. That's so a lot of face gonna... that just went out the door. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Between Rizicka and Lindholm, over 1,000 face-offs taken this year. Well um, over. Well over 1,100. Straight ahead. So these two prospects the Flames got. Uh-huh. Uh, Hunter Brustevich and uh, Yanni Yarmo. Who are these guys? Yoni? Yoni? Yoni, Yarni? Yoni? Yoni. Yeah, what did I say? I don't know. It didn't sound right. Yoni, Yarmo? Yermo. Yermo. Yeah. Okay. Who are these dudes? (laughs) (laughs) What do they bring to the table? Uh, What what should Flames fans expect? Yeah. Um, Now that first round pick the Flames got, 
Who are some of the names we should be paying attention to now that the Flames potentially could be drafting in that 25-ish to 32 spot? I think that's the sweet spot here for this Canucks first-round pick. First in the Western Conference right now, that's kind of the area where this pick should even say, we'll even say 24 to be safe. So 24 to 32, who are some of the names that are out there that Jason Bukala, Sportsnet draft analyst, the pro hockey group, thinks that the Flames potentially could be drafting in that spot? And I'm going to steal a question from the text line as well. Shout out, Rob. Okay. We'll do that next. Oh, Every once in a while, you guys come through. Oh, and Every uh, once in a while. By the way, the guy who actually made the trade, Craig Conroy, the GM of the Flames, yeah. 8.30. We'll do all of that next. Here? Yeah, yeah, he's calling in. On the show? Yes, sir. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I wonder how he slept last night. I wonder how much he slept. Relieved? A lot of work to do. Or he's like, oh, did I make the right move? We'll ask him. He's very accommodating. Guys, and he'll be true. Stop texting in about Macklin Celebrini, please. No, the team's not going to. It's too far gone. Yeah. They'd have to lose like all of their next games. Yeah, that's not possible. Could win the lottery. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, do that's like, like a 2%. <laughs> Pull a Flyers. Okay. Guess how far the Flames are from last place. Points wise? 15 points. 19 points. Okay, that's a lot. What's more likely, the Flames to get the first overall pick or the Ottawa Senators to make the playoffs? Senators to make the playoffs. Flames okay. to get the first overall pick. Ooh, you guys should arm wrestle Let's during the break. Oh, we're going to scrap now. East is done. So here's yeah. the thing. 17 <laughs> points difference between the Flames and the bottom of the NHL. 16 points difference between the Senators and a playoff spot. Hmm. I'd say we're arguing between like a five percent and the seven percent likeliness. Like the, really that's why like, neither really of them are going to be like the listen, five worst, six worst teams in the league. That's why I asked the question. Chance. I'm on a good question heater today. Oh, it's already three oh, dings oh, I've gotten oh, today. Talk about it. Crushing. He's it running today. away with that thing. AGVP. Eh, yeah, he's putting on a show right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is a performance. Suck on that, Rose. Oh, brutal. All right. Unbelievable. Uh, Jason Bukala, Craig Conroy, Julie McKenzie. I wish we had McKenzie. cameras in here. You guys, Eventually, so much background to the show. Hmm. Eventually. Uh, it's a big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan.